You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Osell. I'm an architect at This.Labs. My co-host today is Jake Dome, developer at GoodWork. Jake, hello. What is up? Very excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Today, we are very excited to talk about two of our favorite topics, opinions and React. Uh, and we are doing that today with Sarah Vieira. Sarah is an author of Opinionated React, a developer at Code Sandbox, and the organizer of Queer JS and the Women of React conference. So Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Great. So before we jump into React and in our conversation, uh, first, a little bit from our sponsors. So today's podcast is sponsored by Kendo React. Kendo React is a professional UI and data visualization component library. Designed and built from the ground up specifically for React, Kendo React can augment any existing UI stack. Its 80 plus feature rich components and advanced functionality make it the perfect suite to standardize on and remove much of the complexity of working with multiple UI solutions. So thank you to Kendo React for sponsoring this podcast. And now let's dive in. So Sarah, first of all, uh, we love your book. Um, if yeah. anybody's listening, 200 pages have never gone faster. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, there is just the right amount of, of memes and code and opinions <laughs> sprinkled throughout. But before we get into like the guts of the book, you know, I think just writing books at all is a big topic this year. I feel like a lot of people are sitting at home, not able to go out yeah. and they're like, thinking about writing or they have written a lot of really cool books this year. So I'm just kind of curious if you could share a little bit, how was your experience writing a book? W would you do it again? Do, do you have any tips for people? Uh, so would I do it again? I think maybe, but it's very stressful. So my thing was that I'm okay at speaking English, but I can't write English for crap. Like I'm terrible at it. I'm just terrible. Like I learned from TV, so I can't write. So it was mostly like me, I would write, I write things like I speak them, which doesn't make sense when you start having a lot of likes <laughs> in the text. So it was me writing it and then my wife being like, and me explaining and she like, that makes sense. I'm going to fix this. Um, I think like, I think it's definitely worth it because I think it's nice that you finish something. So like my thing was mostly to get the idea that I finished something. Like I finished a lot of tiny projects, but I wanted to finish something big. And it's very stressful though. And my, my main thing that I tell people is like, just keep doing it. Like literally just keep doing it. Like it, it will end at a certain point. Just keep doing it. Like it's hard, but don't stop. And I, that's also, I open sourced the thing that I used to build a book. Like I made like a markdown fancy thing with Gatsby just to like print PDFs and EPUBs. And I open sourced that. So if anyone wants to write a book, Please do just fill in that markdown file and someone will find it interesting. It's hard though. It's hard. Get a proofwriting person. If you can marry one, it's very useful. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that resonates with me because I was uh, actually read a tweet from Corey house yesterday, who was kind of talking about similar topics of making something big versus making a lot of small things or yeah. scheduled work like uh, having a podcast or, um, you know, doing uh, weekly YouTube videos. And he was saying like, I love to work on a eight 
to 12 month project. I don't know if those are his exact words, but long project because it allows yeah. me flexibility. I don't have those deadlines. He doesn't work well under that pressure. Um, so producing one big thing while it has its own problems and you have to stick with it and try to stay motivated on it um, is, but it has kind of these different pressures. So did you find kind of that same thing that you enjoyed working on something long-term and what were like the hard things about that and what were the benefits? I think the main bad thing that I have is that I really dislike doing clean, not, not cleanup work, but um, polishing work. Mm-hmm. I really dislike doing polishing work, which is like an issue in my normal job because it's like, Sarah, you need to add an animation to this. And I'm like, well, come on. <laughs> so like, I, I don't, I dislike that. Like, I don't see any, cause I don't like, I need to have something to show. And if I don't, or if it's something really small, it kind of makes me like sad on the inside. Uh, so I think my main issue was that I kind of all finished the book, not quite fast, but like in June or something, but I actually needed to finish small things and I couldn't drag myself to do them. That's my main issue is like, mm-hmm. I am terrible at doing small, like kind of like menial tasks. Like it took me like a month to get myself to just put the entire book to Grammarly and mm-hmm. fix the last of the grammatical errors. Cause I needed yeah. to do it. Like I couldn't copy and paste the code. So it had to be like, bit by bit because otherwise Grammarly would like screw up my entire thing and it took me like a long time to just be like okay I'm gonna sit down for two hours and I'm gonna do this monkey job so like I think I have a lot of problems with that and I also I start things but I don't finish things like you can't see it but there's a puzzle behind me that I never finished so like (laughs) that is actually like I understand this point but I'm actually I work way better under pressure like if you tell me you have to finish this by Monday I'll finish this by Monday but if you tell me you have to finish this in two months, I'll finish this like on the, on the Friday before yeah. the day I have to deliver it. And I was always like that in school with everything. Like I mostly only work under pressure, which is an issue mm-hmm. that I wanted to try and fix and spread it out and like mm-hmm. try and actually finish something and think it through because I'm also that kind of person that's like, I want a laptop. So I'll just pick up a laptop. Like I don't think about it. Yeah. I, I, okay. Of course I think about the money part, but what I mean is like, I don't stand. It's like, I need a vacuum cleaner, for example, which is a random thing, but imagine mine gets broken. I don't spend three hours trying to search for the perfect vacuum cleaner. I get the fucking first one Amazon says recommend, and I'm like, great, vacuum cleaner, <laughs> done, fixed. And um, I, yeah, I couldn't do that here <laughs> because I was actually going to sell something. Mm-hmm. So like, it was a really big challenge for me to try and be like, okay, no, I need to spend three hours just trying to fix small things. And I can't be like, well, like, I'm not going to give you your money back. It's an open source project because it's not. <laughs> And right. um, yeah, that was, I think, that's, my biggest issue. That's funny that you say that about the vacuum cleaner, because even though I similarly struggle with that polish p- portion, I love the, the opening parts when you're making the larger strides more. I, uh, I drive my wife crazy when um, we needed to get a different uh, dishwasher because ours broke. And <laughs> by the time that the, the, the installation guy came with to, to put it in, I, he was like trying to tell me all the features. So it's like, like, trust me, I know all these features. I know way more about <laughs> dishwashers than I could ever need to know in three lifetimes. Why? <laughs> I don't know. But like We were trying to find a grinder for the coffee because our grinder broke and it was quite shit. So we wanted to get a, a better one. We watched so many videos of grinders and I was just like, Alex, can we just get a grinder? And uh, until a point where a friend of mine was like, oh, I bought this one. And I was like, Amazon order, done. We have a grinder. <laughs> I just want to get this out of my face. Just want to get a grinder. Never watch grinder videos again, ever. Never going to watch grinder videos again. It works. It's fine. I don't know. I don't, I don't appreciate that moment. 
<laughs> Great. So the the book Opinionated React is is awesome to me because, and I think as soon as it drops, Jake immediately messaged me and said, "Hey, we have to have Sarah come on the podcast over this," because, you know, I, I do a lot of interviewing for for this thought, and um, mm -hmm. so one of the topics that we do to kind of get people talking um, is to say, you know, what do you enjoy coding in, and why do you like it, and equal parts I think people love about React and hate about React that it's so open that yeah. it does, the library does what it does and it basically says you can go do whatever else you want from here we don't care um, you know and some people that's what they love about Angular is that it is a much more e controlled ecosystem yeah. etc like that so I guess my first question is just you know what is it that you saw that made you realize that this book was something that maybe people wanted or that something people needed, uh, you know, in their React lives or their React learning process? I think the main uh, thing that I saw was that, like, every time you ask someone, like, what is the best something, the answer is it depends. And, like, that's a valid answer, but I'm asking you, so I want your opinion. And it's hard to get people to give their opinion because, first of all, like, you have to pick your words because you don't want to hurt other people's like open source projects. Right. It's like, you can't just say like, I use this one and everything else shit. Like that's just not true uh, as well. Like just don't do that. That's terrible. Um, and also like, I think that we don't trust our opinions very much. And it doesn't mean that I trust mine. I'm not saying that what I use is the right thing, but I do think there needs to be more opinions out there because it's such a widespread of stuff that you can use that, literally anything will help you uh, for at least is to figure out that you don't like mutable state then great then you can go and check immutable state but and like even if you try style components and you're like i kind of dislike style components but i like css and js then that's already a thing and you can continue with that and i think it was mostly the it depends like it depends but give your opinion on why and like for i think one thing that i said was like i use style components for example and it said at the bottom is like, why didn't you use emotion? And out of my, all my honesty, I was like, it was literally because I used style components first. Like it came out first, so I use it. If you want to use emotion, it's literally the same. Here's the sandbox. They are mm -hmm. completely compatible. And if you want to use it, please do. I just picked style components first. There's no actual reason in this one. It's just that I saw it first and I'm used to it. Um, I think it was that. It was the fact that everything depends and the React like team and the website don't have any like official recommendations like Vue, for example Vue does have that which is something that i really like which is like you can use whatever you want but we officially like Vue router and we support Vue router we don't mm -hmm. have that for react it's like just do whatever you want we don't support anything or we support everything and yeah it was the it depends because it started bothering me too i was like but i just want to know i don't want to go through 300 libraries so this is probably approaching hot take territory, but I kind of, I, I, I don't even know where I land on this, but I'm interested to hear what you think about the fact that React is that way. And, you know, just your opinion on, you know, like you mentioned, I wanted to bring up Vue has these core libraries around it. I think yeah. it has three or four. And then yeah, there's it's Vue even router, Vue X, yeah, router, and something else. Vue X. There's probably one or two more. Um, yeah, there's some more, but I don't remember. I should know, but I don't. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and then there's even more that are kind of 
core team adjacent so people from yeah the like core you team Apollo, or the, for example exactly yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah by one of the most prolific creators in that community yeah. kind of like uh view or kind of like react router um or reach router you know would be because yeah. it's created by someone just super respected yeah. in the community and i think if you asked uh the core team what to use they would point you in that direction yeah. um so w- what do you think about react kind of sticking to React pretty much renders stuff. That's kind of their deal. It has a few other things, you know. It'll do a little bit of managing state. It has context. It's got a few other features. Some new stuff coming that pretty much has to do with handling state and rendering it. That's kind of all they do. Yeah. Um, what do you think that has done for the community? And, like, you know, the Vue community and the React community are different and kind of shaped by that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think, like, from my experience with the Vue community... I think the view community fights less. I think the view community has more focus. I, I don't know the Angular community. Like I knew mm-hmm. it when it was Angular 1, but that was basically the web development community. Like I don't really know the Angular <laughs> community after version 2. But yeah. from what I know in the view community, I think people fight less because there's less to fight about. Like I think people, like there is also the thing of like view and React kind of called on to different people. I think Vue called a lot to people who were starting and people who were designers and wanted to build things. While React called a lot to people who were CS degree people who also want to build things, but also really like to go deep in stuff and name things and build really over-engineered stuff, which may be needed, may not be needed. That's another topic. Doesn't matter. But it called completely two different sets of people. And I think the Vue one is more cohesive because of how the guides work. Because of how they're like told, like you can use anything else, but this is maybe the best idea and blah, blah, blah. And the React one ends up being more spread out because there's no definitive guide. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. And so people build their own. Like, I feel like everyone has built their own state management, this like library. Right. Uh, And like at this point, it's it's like a rite of passage in React. You have to make your own state management library. Yeah. Um, And I think it's different. I do sometimes like I do see the benefits of the view community, but I think that also has to do with the kind of people you brought. Like most of the people that I know from the view community don't really care how to name something. Like (laughs) if it's like children props or render props, they don't care. They just want to use it and want to build things with it. Mm -hmm. Well, I see that there's a huge difference in that. And I think it created like two completely different communities and it's actually quite interesting because it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Like if you look at it in the grand spectrum of of life, no one cares. Like it's the same thing. They're both JavaScript frameworks. Well, like no one cares, but they like called on to completely different people. Also like React was created by Facebook while Vue was created by a designer who worked at Google. So -hmm. like it's completely different. I do appreciate what Vue does and I do think React should do it. And I do think React should take under their belt some libraries. Mm-hmm. Like that are widely used and even create react app is mostly managed by the community at this point. Like, I do think that these things should be managed by a committee or something like not only, but should be overseen by a committee to make sure that like when you update react, those things still work. Like I think react router is a good example. Mm-hmm. I don't know about state management, man. There's so many, so that would be hard, <laughs> but uh, like react router is a good example of that. Like it's used in everything basically. Like, yeah, it's a good example. And I do think these things should be done like the same way that Vue does it. 
do think that's a really good idea. And I will say it's really cool that the one interesting thing though that has sprung up is that now that the community realizes that they actually hunger, thirst for opinions. <laughs> and I think as more web developers come into the industry, I think that's been changing every year. We're getting more people uh, yeah. changing careers, coming in and th they don't care about these holy wars that have been fought for many, many years. Exactly. They just want tech to build cool stuff. So I've loved to see, you know, stuff like Purcell, stuff like Gatsby, stuff like uh, Remix, which is being worked on which seems like it's going to fill that void for React. So it'll be really interesting to have this conversation again in another you know, year or two years and see like, oh, wow, like actually React is a bunch of little walled gardens of, of, you know, of community-driven, yeah. opinionated enclaves also, or something like that. You also like have them. things like, uh, what's the name? Redwood.js, for example, and Blitz.js, which are things that are actually pretty good for the community and give you like the rails weird rails experience of like you just need to code we'll figure everything out yeah excuse me and the good thing is that you also can plug things out and put your own things in like if you don't want to use their css management you've been using css you've been using emotion for three years now longer than it has been out and you want to put emotion there then that's fine you can do it but if no one cares then you can just code and i think that's a beautiful thing like nux nux is a beautiful thing and I yeah, think that's also yeah. a good thing about Vue, is Vue started with the idea that CSS is needed. So it built an ecosystem and a framework around the fact that you're going to have to use CSS. Mm -hmm. Well, React left that as a void and just left so many fighting people and no one fights about CSS in Vue. It's beautiful. Let's just like, <laughs> just use it. And React's like a huge thing. It's like CSS and JS versus CSS. It's like a huge thing that will never end. And like people who use CSS and JS are the Antichrist and people who use CSS are like basically stuck in 1999 and it will never end. And Vue doesn't have this, it's beautiful. It's like everyone just uses CSS because the framework thought about CSS to a point that we don't need CSS and JS. There's no need for it. It's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling at this point. I like Vue. <laughs> so, um, you know, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, which I think is really interesting, which is that, you know, it is really hard to have an opinion well, it's not hard to have an opinion on the internet, but it certainly can sometimes be hard to state an opinion on the internet. And it's certainly no easier when a woman has an opinion on the internet. And you have ac accumulated many of these opinions in one book. Was there ever a point, either in a certain section of this book or just before you hit the publish button, where you were like, I'm about to... <laughs> I'm about to hit a lot of people with a lot of opinions. Was there anything that gave you pause? I say that because like I sensed a little bit of guardedness in the state management section. You mentioned it a couple of times. You were very clear to say, I am not throwing shade. If you like Redux, you like Redux. I just happen to like the thing that I'm using right now. So what, you know, did you give a thought to having to put out so many opinions and how to do that respectfully? Like how, yeah, no, how did I did, you feel did. about putting yourself out there like that? Like, for example, like in the beginning of the book, when I started it, like every section, for example, state management, instead of getting like chosen, it said winner. And then I took it off because there's no winners. It's everyone is a loser in the open source world. You all <laughs> lose your time and money. Um, yeah. So I did give it a lot of thought to a point where I could like safely put this out without hurting anyone's feelings. Cause that's not what I want. Like, for example, I'm very clear every, like, if you know me in any way on the internet that I do not like TypeScript. Like, I dislike TypeScript. But I was very purposefully, pur 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 purposefully, like, 
calm on that part because I was like, it's not the fact that I hate the language. It's the fact that I think a lot of the times it's unnecessary and let's talk about why. Let's talk about how you can use it and let's talk about what are the downsides and upsides of using something like this. Like it, uh, it puts the barrier of entry way higher, which is something that I want to fight. I don't think it's necessary for everything to have TypeScript because no one can contribute. And I think that was something that I actually put in a lot of thought was to find a way where I couldn't just sit down and be like, this is shit and I hate it. I, need to, I needed to go through myself and be like, why do I dislike this? What is it about it that I dislike? And putting it into actual words and explaining it, like why I dislike TypeScript, for example. And that actually took a while because like I have to, I had to find a way to be like, I need to find a way that it won't hurt people's feelings because that's not what I want. Yeah, I and like I that, that it, it doesn't, lot. yeah, I like that it doesn't activate, like I said, the book doesn't activate your defensive, those defensive feelings that can happen often, like happen yeah. often that, um, you know, when an opinion is well, well stated and, and it, it really is self-supporting, it's not trying to, it's not trying to pull everybody down to be the, the highest one up. It's trying to say, here, here's my opinion. And that's what I liked about it because that means somebody can read it and say, you know, that actually sounds kind of cool to me too. That's things I like when I code. No, mm -hmm. I'm going to give that a try. Or they can say, you know, nah, that's, that doesn't sound like me at all. Maybe I'll give it a try, of, but that, that's not, you know, that's not for me. Yeah. I've had a lot of people come and say like, Overmind is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But Christian is terrible at marketing. <laughs> Because you shouldn't have to market an open source project. And I feel like that's the root of all evil is the idea that you have to market your own open source project, mm -hmm. that you have to like be this marketing person. Otherwise no one is ever going to find your project. And I feel like that's what happened to him. The reason I know about Overmind is because we use it at Code Sandbox because he works with me, us. Otherwise I wouldn't have never heard of it because you have to market your open source projects. And I find that that's a huge issue as well. Yeah. So I'm no, glad people found out about Overmind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I agree because I think a lot of the people who are creators, you rarely find, I think they're like a unicorn in the space. You rarely find someone who is a super great creator and has that mind for open source, mind for technology, writing beautiful APIs, building super useful things, who also just loves everything else it takes to be a successful open yeah. source software that people find and um, you know, people build stuff and then they market it a little, maybe it catches on and then, you know, it's free. And so it takes a lot of their time, but they're not getting a ton of value. So I think it's definitely a problem. I don't know exactly how to, how to fix it. I don't it. think that's really an easy fix. Cause it's also like, I make an open source library and if it catches on, then I win nothing. Right. <laughs> like that's, in the, in the reality of things, if I don't want to get a job or something, I win nothing. Like a lot yeah. of people use it and I have to fix more bugs. Right. So I think that's also a big issue. Is that like, in the case of Christian, he does get to work a bit on what on code sandbox because if there's any errors, we're also screwed, obviously. Right. But still, it's like, what do you win? We win nothing out of it. Like, and I think that's also yeah. the sad part. No. Yeah. yeah developer clout, which some people are looking for and is, it is useful. There's good things that come from it, but uh, that's, you know, different scenarios. 
That's yeah. why I'm actually quite excited about Remix because it's paid. Mm-hmm. I want to see how that will work. And if it will, I think it honestly will start a new world for open source technology where it doesn't yeah. have to be open source for everyone. It can yeah. be a community within the open source community where you pay for access to this community, not just yeah. for the code, but for the access to the community. Hmm. And I'm really excited about Remix. And it also looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're excited too. Rob and I were talking about it uh, before we hopped on and it looks like a really cool technology. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I think I tweeted either last week or the week before that one of the top three problems in the JavaScript community is that it's hard to sell code. You know, yeah. WordPress has it figured out. Some of these like walled garden communities, especially on more server side code, because that's easier to sell licenses to, at least right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, NPM doesn't have it built in. There's not a way to pay for NPM libraries. There's not yeah. a way to pay for GitHub libraries. I think that's one of our top problems. So seeing people fix it um, or, or take a crack at building something that works differently, I'm so excited about. And I really can't wait to see kind of what that payoff is for people. I think they made their Unintended. own private NPM registry, right? I, I think it's I, the only way around it right now, unless you want to send people zip files. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I figured, but... Yeah, yeah. So I'm very so interested too. to see. Same, I'm we really talking, interested. Yeah, we were talking about that, you know, another aspect of watching people release books this year, of watching people release training courses this year, is seeing the power of having a moderate audience. <laughs> and that sustainability is totally cool. And, you know, you only have to sell... 50, 100, 150, 500, 1,000 licenses or books or what have you to get a decent amount of your effort back. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that every time you go out, you're going to get that, but it's fun watching and celebrating not necessarily billion-dollar unicorns, but maybe million-dollar whatever a smaller magical creature is. That like 20K <laughs> and I'm still celebrating. Yo, exactly. Right? And so, like, like, I brought a really fancy computer that I'm picking it up today. I brought a Windows, like, RGB shit computer. And I'm like, yes, gamer style. And I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen other book launches. These are successful launches. Again, your results yeah. may vary. Not everything that people put out there will succeed. And even some of these people that are now making big profits or big, big revenue, big launches, they have a lot of stories. Like Adam Wathen is always very open about his first few products that he launched yeah. and how they didn't also, quite work out. So it also depends on how much you charge. Like for example, I did sell like a thousand books, but I think a thousand and something. I don't remember right now, but it was way over a thousand. But I did have purchasing parity power, and a lot of people bought the book for like four dollars. Like if you're from mm-hmm. India or Brazil, it was like six dollars or something like that. And well, Ken, for example. He would only have to sell like 50 things to make the same money as I do because you also spend a lot more time on it. Mm-hmm. So like you also have to consider that a 20K in my case is a lot of money because the book was $30, not accounting for purity purchasing power. So like on Paddle, I actually get a number and an average, I made 15 euros out of each sale because of parity purchasing power. Mm-hmm. So like, it's a lot of money if you think about it that way. And that's yeah. what made me really excited is that I sold a lot and it made me really happy. And I mostly wrote this book to like, see like, do people actually like me as a teacher? And then now that I have like three weeks off, I'm probably gonna try and make some videos and continue on this to try and sell a bit more books and stuff like that. And it's an exciting thing that you're finding out things about yourself. 
And I think that's how all of us, like all of the people who started, uh, like Kent, for example, that's how we started. He sold one thing and he was like, oh shit, I guess I can quit my job now. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, guess there's don't like me. I don't think he cursed though. <laughs> I think oh, he probably hey. held back on that one. <laughs> um, no, no, I was on his podcast once and I couldn't curse. So I don't think he cursed. Yeah, I think I think uh, in the transcript, I think there was one damn it. And I think you said that that didn't count. Um, so... <laughs> uh so yeah so yeah and it's great and, and you know for anybody i mean i guess to wrap up this segment about like getting out there i think there's been talk lately as everyone's been talking about selling things to be like hey sometimes doing free things is still good and it is don't like all these people that are selling things are also putting a lot of awesome free content and i think what this is is creating that space for people to not feel bad about saying this is the stuff i offer freely that i do for the community and maybe i'm starting to develop the opinions or ideas that I will then turn into a product. I just love that now yeah. both channels are starting to open up. Yeah. And for people, you don't have to even start from scratch. Like for the people that are doing training contents, there's a lot of people that will help you out that will, um, you know, uh, you that, that'll give you head, like, for example. right. Like they'll remove, remove that friction yeah. or code magazines will help you get like your first paid spots. You got to be careful with some of that stuff, but like, there's a lot of ways to inch into this, yeah. you know, if you, if you're just trying to explore whether or not you can make some money on the side from some of these things for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So, you know, another awesome thing that you do is organizing. Um, I mean, not right actually, now because of Corona. Okay, I, I, well, that is the big thing this year, right? Is that uh, <laughs> it's the big thing that we talk about this year? Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a virus. I did. <laughs> um, First, I've heard of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, this year, I mean, that's that might even be something that's worth talking about is kind of how you're maintaining your community. But you know, one of the communities that you uh, put a lot of of blood, sweat, and tears into is Queer.js, which is a really cool community and inclusive space. And it's kind of set up in an interesting way. So I wondered for people that weren't familiar, if you kind of explain why you set up that group and kind of how you set it up to, to specifically be inclusive. Uh, so the idea of Queer.js is that we run meetups and anyone can attend these meetups, but only people who are queer are speakers. And what I did in my first idea was Okay, actually my first idea was nothing. I just wanted to make a meetup in Berlin. But then it was to like, if you want to organize your own, you can. Like that's, there is no boundaries, nothing. We will tweet it out. You have access to our like Twitter accounts, everything, anything you need, you have access. Uh, and the way that I think I did it, I think we did it was that first of all, it gives you um, responsibility and pride in what you're building. And it also frees the uh, people who are organizing the entire thing from so much work. So first of all, the website is open source and to add your own city, it's a YAML file. I'm sorry, Markdown didn't work for image links. So we had to use YAML. I feel like I need to like always say why I used YAML because <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck did you use YAML? Markdown and JSON didn't work. So we had to use YAML. So you go there and you create this and you, and you make it and it's yours. And the idea is that you also have a Discord uh, where anyone is welcome to join and you can get in touch with the community. And all the money that we have is on Open Collective. And I will explain this one is mostly because I don't know how to handle taxes in Germany. And in the beginning, people were like, can I give you money? And I was like, please do not. Because I have my own company and I do not know if I touch this money, I don't know what happens. So I talked to Open Collective and they said, yeah, we can handle that. We keep 3%, I was like, keep five. I don't care. 
you're a you're a Jesus. You are you are a Jesus. So anytime you need any money for stickers, t-shirts, renting of a space, food, pizza, food is pizza, Coca-Cola, whatever you need, you just make uh it doesn't even have to go through oh no, I think it does actually. It has to go through me, sorry. But you put your invoice there. I, I accept it. I don't think I've ever denied an invoice, and they will send you the money back. So instead of the thing that I wanted the less was to make it about the people who started it, which was me, now now my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, and Carolyn, which is also from Berlin, Carolyn Stransky. And I think what I wanted was, I didn't want it to be about us. I want it to be a thing that just existed that we started, but it, that doesn't matter, if that makes sense. It's a community where anyone can join and anyone can make it their own. Like, the Canada people are the best. I'm just going to say it. They make everything on themselves. They just go to the coffee shop, not anymore because of Corona. Uh, but like they used to just go to the coffee shop, make things, make a PR, merge the PR and do a, a meetup. And I'm like, I love these people. I have to do nothing. And they just send me invoices and I accept the invoices and that's it. <laughs> that's all I do for the Canada people. And I think that's the idea. Instead of making one centralized thing, it's actually several centralized things per city. So like there are organizers in uh, London, there are organizers in Paris and I mean, uh, and Canada and I forgot where more, Barcelona and a bunch of cities. And I think that helped because first of all, I was able to keep going with it. Otherwise I wouldn't because I have a full-time job. And second of all, I think it gave people more sense of ownership. And I think that's what's missing a lot sometimes in when you go to these communities, you never have a sense of ownership. And I think, Saying people like, do you organize it? It's your meetup gives you a sense of ownership. That's important as well. And yeah, I actually don't. Yeah, no, that's it. I'm like, I don't, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm out I, of things know, to say. The, the interesting thing here, and I mean, we can pivot to the conference soon, is I know you used to work with uh, or, or founded, I don't know if I'm describing it correctly, React uh, JS Girls. I've I did found that. With... I, I worked with that when I was at YLD. Worked with it. That was okay. founded by the people at YLD and me. Yeah. And together. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've done some stuff with Angular Girls. Uh, I've done some stuff with the, um, what was View Vixens at the time, the front end foxes now. And yeah. what, I, what I've loved about these meetups is that when you create a space for, run by and for a group of people that traditionally don't have spaces, you're amazed at how many people are in that community. <laughs> yeah. um, and the cool stuff they start sharing when they have that. So, I mean, I just think that meetups like that are great and, and, and not just making a meetup, but making a, I guess a framework for making these meetups is even cooler um, that, that people have those. And I, I know it's, it's not easy work as I, Jake does a lot of organizing of, of local meetups and he can attest to, yeah. it's a lot of work that these people put in we, to we host these meetups. In Berlin, we are really lucky. For example, BerlinJS and GreenJS are all hosted in the same place and they do not charge us. They're not a company, so we owe them nothing. Uh, and it's a meetup space and we're really lucky to even like basically have the keys and we just need to put it on a calendar and it's so much easier because when I was with ReactJS Girls, I had to like contact companies and get contact by companies and then QuickJS yeah. and for example, BerlinJS are just like, Go to the calendar, mark a day, show up. And you put the chairs back and you put the chairs in and you figure it out, it's your space. And thank God, it's, it's such yeah. like way less of a pain to be honest. Yeah, and it's I mean, way better. I totally feel that from organizing here in the North Carolina and the Triangle area. And 
yeah, I we could do a whole nother podcast on what that looks like. Maybe we should yeah. at some point about organizing and pro tips and yeah. Yeah, the you community part is fun. Time. Yeah, yeah, but you also lose a lot of time that like, for example, I lose way less time organizing things like Queer.js because it's yeah. just there. I yeah. forgot the name. It's so <laughs> sad. You organize everything there. It's the best thing. I'm looking for the name. I'm not being an asshole staring at my phone. No, you're good. No. Yeah, <laughs> totally no, terrible. totally feel that with organizing and kind of what that looks like in the load. I mean, I always like leading up to the, it's kind of like conference speaking for me, like organizing it isn't the most fun and you know with conference speaking writing the talk isn't the most fun but I love delivering it so it makes it worth it organizing is a lot of work um interacting with the people to get you know get the um speakers there and talk with them is sometimes fun but finding the space kind of going through all the like necessary but tedious stuff is it's worth it to be at the event with a bunch of awesome people who code but um not always not always a blast the space is called co-op community space I'm so sorry. Sweet. And um, yeah, they're really nice, really nice bunch of people. And yeah, they're, they're amazing. They've been in Berlin for like 10 years and they're super helpful. And it makes the journey way easier. Also, they don't have food, which like, if you tell people that you don't have food, then it's fine because handling mm-hmm. food <laughs> yeah. is a pain. Like I handle food for QueerJS and it's always the biggest pain. Also, because then you always have to pay like 300 euros in cash because it's for a limb. And you go yep. there and it's like, pick up the pizzas and here's 300 euros in cash because it's Berlin and they don't take cars. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, yeah. I'm just paying. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't have food. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Totally feel that. Um, so the, the, the last topic that we wanted to touch on is, um, you know, you do a lot of advocacy for mental health and mental health awareness. And certainly this year has been a year for a lot of people really struggling. I mean, I think in the tech industry, we do a really bad job of this anyways, with overwork and uh, a lot of other things that we try to suppress because of how we present ourselves in social media and things like that. But I think this year has both been harder, but at the same time, it has opened some people to start talking about the struggles that they're having. I think it's something that um, at this thought I, I, we try to talk about often. It's just, hey, those feelings that you're feeling, they're normal feelings, but they're stronger this year because of a lot yeah. of things that are going on. And, you know, and I, it's, hard to take such a, <laughs> it's hard to take just a, such a complex topic and reduce it down to, a, you know, a couple talking points. But, like, what should people think about or know about when it comes to tech and mental health? Like, what should they be thinking about? What should they be introspecting on? What are the questions they should be asking maybe themselves and their team? Um, if you, if you start getting angry at your teammates and you don't know why, and you're just tired all the time, you need vacation. And I'm not saying one week vacation, you need three weeks off. Like you need a sabbatical, basically, like you're going to burn out. Um, I think a big issue that we have, and I have that as well, is that sometimes you don't want to do other things like, okay, I'm just going to say playing FIFA because that's my first example. Because that's not useful. And you think you have to be useful. And it's hard to fight that, but you have to fight that. Otherwise, you're going to burn out like I did. Because you think you're only useful at work. No, no. Your existence is useful. Um, You may think, like, I think one thing that happened a lot this year is that 
uh, a lot of people figured out that they have anxiety problems. <laughs> and, um, and it was quite the journey for me as someone who always had anxiety problems to look around and then people were like, why is my heart beating so fast? Why is it? And I'm like, you're having a panic attack. And people are like, what is a panic attack? And I'm like, I'm going to sit you down and tell you why your brain is stupid, <laughs> basically. And what is a fight or flight thing? And I think there has gained a lot of awareness this year for two main two things, which is anxiety, anxiety and panic attacks and um, health anxiety. So something that I actually have a lot is health anxiety. Like I'm one of those people that like, I have the perfect example. One time I was at a friend's house and I played Beat Saber. Beat Saber is a terrible thing on your arms. Like you, next day your arms will hurt. And I played that for like 45 minutes. The next day my arm was hurting and I couldn't think about why my arm was hurting. So I was like, oh shit, I'm dying. That's it. That's it. That's how I go. Pain in my arm. And then like, tw like 10 minutes later I was like, oh yeah, I played Beat Saber for like an hour yesterday. <laughs> so like, yeah. and this started happening to a lot of people because of Corona. It's like, how long is a breath? <laughs> and <laughs> one thing that I think happened a lot is that I looked around and I was like, yeah, this is, this is how I lived my life. <laughs> and I think the reality is we, we all have these issues, but some of us have it more buried. And the reason why some people may look like they're doing better is because they were molded by these issues. They always had them. Like I've always had anxiety problems and I've always had health anxiety problems. So all the things that you're finding out, I've always had them. Reach out to these people because like we're used to it. We will listen and we will try to tell you what helped us because we've known this without a pandemic, without anything. And, um, more than anything, like give yourself a break. Know that anything that's mental can have physical implications on your body. You're probably not dying. It's probably a mental thing that's screwing up your body. And that's an important thing that I think a lot of us don't know. And I didn't know this, not an attack, is that when your brain is screwed up, and I don't mean that's in a bad way. I mean, like when your brain has some sort of anxiety or stress or everything, it can have physical tolls on you. Like you can have headaches, you can hurt your legs, you can have pain in your stomach, you can have so many things. And it's important to know that these things can come from a mental problem. It's very important to know that these things can come from mental health. It's not always that you fell. This is important. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Absolutely. I, and I, you know, the other thing that I recommend to people is just to normalize talking about these things yeah. because it's not, it's not a defect. I mean, it might be something that you would prefer maybe not to have, but, you know, but I, I have told people about times in the place where I work when I've had a panic attack. I said, this happened after a little while. It might happen to you, you know, because for me, one of the things that was a big trigger was working remotely. This wasn't with COVID. This was even before. I had never yeah. worked remotely full time and it was cool for a little while. And then I had a point where it was overwhelming. Too much. Yeah. And I tell people about this and it's so interesting how many people have never heard somebody say that. <laughs> yeah, and they don't know whether it was okay to say that or talk about and then later all of a sudden they come to you when they're like hey I don't know what's going on but like I am not I think that stuff you were talking about that's happening now or something like I just haven't been yeah. I can't focus this week and stuff and I think that stuff is great I, I you know I think repressing it holding it in you're right I mean it's just it 
is unfortunately something that we have learned or been taught in this industry that, you know, a sign of strength, you can't show that weakness, but this stuff is not weak. Like normalize talking about your mental health no. as much as you would talk about having a cold, normalize therapy and, uh, and, and things like that. Absolutely. I think there's also the fact that if you never know what a panic attack was, you actually think you're going to die and you will call an ambulance. And I've heard of people who have called ambulances and you like, I thought I was going to die the first time I had a panic attack. And, and I think the fact that if you normalize it, it will help you in the end, if you ever do have a panic attack, cause you can be like, okay, I'm not dying. I'm having a panic attack. And just that triggers your brain to be way more calm and your body will go back to normal in a while way faster than it did for us when we didn't know what it was. And it lasted way longer because we genuinely thought we were dying. And it's important to talk about these things because these things will help you in the end to not have such terrible experiences because you don't know what it is. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that was an important place to stop. I mean, I think the theme of this podcast has been, this really could have been 10 podcasts. That's how interesting of a person that Sarah is. So oh, thank you. Uh, Thank, thank, thank you, everybody, for being here today. Thank you for listening to this Modern Web podcast on really kind of just life in the React yeah. ecosystem and organizing. <laughs> the COVID and times. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to our guest, Sarah. And please make sure to look for her book. Uh, it's linked on all of her social media, which will reference uh, Opinionated React. As I said, it is a great read. Um, as always, the conversation does not stop here. So you can find Sarah on Twitter at NikitaFTW. So that's N-I-K-K-I-T-A-F-T-W. You can find Jake on Twitter at Jake Dome. That's J-A-K-E-D-O-H-M. And you can find me online at, on Twitter at RoboCell. So that's R-O-B-O-C-E-L-L. -L. As for the podcast, you can find us online at moderndotweb.com or on Twitter at modern.web. Again, thank you to Kendo React for sponsoring this podcast, and we hope to see you all here again next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Come on. Come on, everybody. Let's go. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.